Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Mary Otis is the author of Burst, and I am so excited. This is our Zibby Books published book for the month of April. So congratulations to Mary. And on behalf of our whole Zibby Books team, we are so, so excited for you. And here is the episode. Mary Otis is the author of the short story collection, Yes, Yes, Cherries, and now, of course, Burst. Her fiction essays and poetry have been published in Best New American Voices, Electric Literature, Tin House, Ziziva, McSweeney's, Bennington Review, The Los Angeles Times, Los Angeles Review of Books, and numerous other literary journals and anthologies. She has taught fiction at UCLA and was a founding professor in the UC Riverside Low Residency MFA in Creative Writing Program. Originally from the Boston area, Mary lives in Los Angeles. Congratulations again, Mary. Welcome, Mary. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss first. 
Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's so, so wonderful to be here with you after having you initially acquire my book and, and seeing everything that has played out since then and with Zippy Books and the release of the latest two books with Alicia Fernandez Miranda's book, My What If Year, and Andrea Dunlop's book, Women Are the Fiercest Creatures. Uh, they're terrific books, and I, I highly recommend them to everyone. And I also want to congratulate you on your bookshop here in LA. Oh, thank uh, you. Beautiful store. It's very thoughtfully curated. And I know everyone in Los Angeles will be happy to go there and check it out. It's just a wonderful, wonderful shop and will be a new literary hub here in town. Oh, well, I adore doing this, the store, having the store, working with Sherry Puzzi and Diana Tramatano on it and our amazing staff there. So anyway, the whole, everybody is so excited about Burst Mary and I'm just, I feel like we've been talking about it for so long that I get so excited when these books <laughs> finally get to see the light of day and, you know, it's like the buildup is crazy. <laughs> I know it almost seems like, you know, you, that's just where that will always keep going. <laughs> you know, you're like yeah. just in this state of you're on the journey, you know, they say it's, you know, not the destination, it's the journey. And then when the destination, you know, is around the corner in like three weeks, it's it's almost impossible to conceive, but exciting, of course. Very exciting. So why don't you tell listeners what Burst is about? So uh, Burst at its heart is a mother-daughter story. It's about Charlotte and her daughter, Viva, and their unconventional, complicated very complicated relationship, sometimes fractious, that could also be considered a kind of a love story. And within the book, I also explore generational addiction, artistic ambition, and the idea that forgiveness isn't always a one-time event, but more often an ongoing process. So true. So how did you come to these characters? How did you arrive at this plot? Like, where did this whole book come from? Tell me the whole thing. Well, it's funny because this was originally a short story. It was published in Ziziva. The I should say the opening chapter was a short story. It wasn't the entire novel. It's a tiny short story. But <laughs> pretty much the opening is quite similar to the original story with some changes required just because a novel, you know, there's threads you need to pull through that with a short story, you can leave a question and end on that, whereas you can't quite do that the same way with a novel. So it started with a short story and I thought I was done with these characters, but <laughs> they were not done with me. And it was a kind of a favorable haunting uh, that they wouldn't let me go. And I like that feeling when I get the feeling like something is bothering me or pulling at me, or I can't get it out of my head. I'm hearing lines. I'm hearing them speak. I'm waking up in the middle of the night and writing down things on index cards, then I know it's probably something I really need to pay attention to. So I began to gather more material on them. And at first I thought it was just going to be a mother's point of view, Charlotte. Mm. And you know, started hearing this other little voice <laughs> coming in too. So yeah, that was that was the genesis of it. And it's exciting when something that's so short expands to a much, much bigger project. And it's my first novel. So Wow. Well, back up a little bit and tell listeners like where, how you got your start in the whole literary world. I know obviously your collection, Yes, Yes, Cherries came out, but like, where did, like, take us back for a minute. So where did you grow up? How did you know you love to write? When did you discover this is something you could really do? And, and all of that. It was a rather interesting journey to get here because I actually did not think I would be a writer. That was not something I ever planned on doing. And I was always a reader. 
I studied literature, but I never studied creative writing. And oh, to back up a little, I grew up outside of Boston in a small town called Millis. It's southwest of Boston. And I grew up in a large family with five brothers and sisters. So were you secretly longing for it just to be your mom and you? Is that where this <laughs> book came from? Like, yeah, what I if it was just mom and me for a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's always fascinating when you're, you know, I've met so many people that were an only child who, who were like, oh, what's it like to have so many brothers and sisters? So I think it's always you know, fascinating when you're on the other side of it. But uh, yes, growing up in such a big family, I'm not quite sure why I, I wrote about this society of two that is just Charlotte and Viva, but there is always kind of a mystery to me as to, I can pull it apart sometimes, usually retroactively and figure out why I was pulled towards something, but not always. Sometimes there's just an element of mystery and and I accept that. I like I like that mystery as to why certain things um, happen the way they do in a story. What number were you in the in the birth order? I'm five, oh. number five, but the next child up is uh, nine years older. So it was sort of like the first group of four were much closer in age. Then there was a big break. And then there was my brother and I, my brother's younger than I am. Oh. So, you know, I came to writing in just a very serendipitous way. I was out here in Los Angeles. I knew nobody. I Well, I had one friend. <laughs> I had my one friend and I would call my friend and, you know, Los Angeles was just really different for me coming from the East Coast, coming from Boston. I lived in Manhattan for five years, you know, and I, it, it just was beyond, you know, there was so much to take in and I would call this friend and tell my friend about things that I saw. And at a certain point he said, you know, have you ever thought of taking a writing class, which, uh, you know, I don't know if he was just trying to get me to stop calling him and tell him about <laughs> wonderful things in LA. Well, you wouldn't believe what I saw today or, or what, but I said, you know, I've never thought of doing that, but why not? And, you know, maybe I'll meet some people since I only have my one friend. And I signed up for the class at a local college. I'd heard Heard, you know, wonderful things about this teacher. And I really liked his name, Jim Crusoe. And it turned out that he is truly, you know, been one of the best teachers in not only in Los Angeles, but maybe the entire country. I mean, he's shepherded the careers of so many writers. He's just a truly unique, intuitive, wonderful, wonderful teacher who can teach many types of students, which is, I think, a mark of excellence too, you know, can kind of come in at any level where, where a writer is at. But I went and I, I took this class, I signed up for it, and I, I immediately thought he was brilliant. It was wonderful. It was a mixed level class. So <laughs> there were a lot of people that were already published. There were a lot of people talking about writing terms that, you know, I didn't know the language yet. And although it was very wonderful and I felt very pulled to it, I, I also found it overwhelming. And so I left the class because I just felt like it was just beyond in some way, which I find very strange in retrospect, you know, given how central writing is to my life that, you know, I would almost run from something that was so was going to be so important for me, which I think, you know, emotions are funny sometimes, you know, how a thrill and excitement and passion can maybe run close to fear, you know, and so maybe the, the signals got a little misinterpreted, but I did go back to the class. And then I studied with Jim Crusoe for a really long time. So, you know, had my one friend never said, 
have you thought of taking that class? I'm not sure I would have. I mean, who is the friend? I think we need to get the friend on the podcast or something. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, the friend's Ben Schick as somebody I knew long ago in, in LA. So, all right. Well, I think you need to write him a thank you note. I, I am planning to. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's wonderful. And so when did you realize that you love to write short stories? Well, part of it had to do with the direction from that particular teacher who suggested I write short stories. I mean, it's interesting. I think if he'd said, start with a novel, I would have. And being a teacher myself now, I think for me, I can often kind of pick up whether somebody is built to naturally write short stories or naturally go toward the novel. And it's kind of how they're pacing it, how they're looking at it. And there's a certain velocity to a short story. You know, you need to get in and get out. And a lot of people write both. I mean, I write both now, but a short story is a very challenging form because, you know, you don't have a lot of extra room to move. It's end oriented. Often the beginning image or line or paragraph, you know, will run through and somehow tie in at the end. And I love that task of figuring out what that is. So that's how I came to start writing the short stories. But there were people writing novels in that class. So you took the class and you started writing short stories. And were you working a day job at the same time? I was. There was like a brief period where I was working at a financial company as like I'd gone in as a temp. (laughs) They offered me a job. And as I got more serious with writing, I I had this like figure in my mind that I wanted to save. And then I would take some time just to write. And so I did do that and I quit the job and I spent the next like six months writing. And a lot of things, you know, uh, you know, that that thinking of like jump and the net will appear. You know, when I look back at that, I'm not sure I would be comfortable doing that today, but at the time I was, and a lot of doors opened pretty quickly after that. And I had started to publish and not super long after that, you know, was offered a book deal by Tin House and I didn't have a collection yet, but I had some stories published. They'd published a couple of them. And then they, you know, said, do you have a whole collection? And I said, I don't, but, and they said, well, we'll buy the book and write, can you write three more? <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> All because of this one thing, you know, that the friend said, and I went and followed along on on that path. Wow. How much time basically went from your first class, the first day of class, uh, generally, not like, you know, you don't do the math, but until ESS Cherries came out. I think it was around six or seven, because also there was a period where I wasn't Sure, you know, I would be still taking the class, but thinking like, you know, this is something I really enjoy doing, but I'm not completely sure yet. And having some of the stories published started really making me think, okay, this is something you can do. And I'd gone to uh, take a workshop with Michael Cunningham at the Fine Arts Work Center in Provincetown. And he also was very extremely encouraging, you know, saying, yes, this is what you know, you should be doing. And it was wonderful to study with him. It was, you know, like a one week workshop, but he had a big influence on me. Oh my gosh. That's what, that's just, just, this whole thing is so wild. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, so then what was it like when the book came out? Uh, <laughs> gosh, you know, it was wonderful. You know, I'm just, I'm sort of flashing on different readings <laughs> for whatever, for whatever reason of, uh, you know, I went to Portland to read at Tin House at their uh, conference that they did, you know, just thinking of the kind of a cascade of events in my mind and seeing people from all parts of your life. I think that's something that's really nice when you have a book come out and, you know, you see somebody from grade school and you see a student you taught two months ago and, oh, you know, there's Mrs. Harris, you know, my science teacher, or, you know, it's like, this is your life. So I remember that that was, was very special, that part of it, uh, seeing so many different people. And for some reason, I'm, I'm remembering reading at Tin House Conference, and it, they have a beautiful, it's at, at Reed College, they have a beautiful amphitheater set up there outdoors. And I remember going up to Reed, and there was a jogger behind me in the woods <laughs> that I could hear. And I was like, oh, it stopped. And I knew they were kind of right behind me. And I thought like, can the audience see this person? Or are they behind the tree? <laughs> I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but it's like, you know, funny things sometimes happen at readings. <laughs> but, you know, they stopped, they did listen, uh, but it was odd to do a reading where you can kind of feel somebody right behind you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll make sure to have a big backdrop or something. <laughs> or off the back. <laughs> and so what did you begin to teach and when did you decide to do that? Sorry, I just want to know your whole story here. Yeah, yeah. No, teaching, this also kind of came in an unusual way, which was after my book came out, I was doing some, you know, just individual writing classes around town at UCLA. I taught at a couple writing conferences. I was doing a little private workshop of my own, and I was offered a job to help create a MFA program for writing at UC Riverside. So that also was not something I had been intending to do with my life, but I, I love teaching and I love working with my students and I love really helping people get to the essence of what they're trying to say. That's a really special task to me. So yeah, I mean, that's, it's almost like if I hadn't 
taken the advice of my friend and gone to that class. I wouldn't have, you know, say published my first thing. If I hadn't published the first thing, I wouldn't have done the book. If I didn't do the book, I wouldn't have had an offer to, you know, teach in this program. So one thing that led to the next, and again, I do kind of, I do believe sometimes when you're taking risks and, you know, kind of throwing yourself into something with your whole heart, a lot of times doors will open and things that were beyond what you could have expected happen, you know? And back to burst for a little bit, now that we have more of a background, (laughs) setting the stage, some of the themes in the book revolve around, obviously there's the complicated, very complicated mother-daughter relationship and sort of unfulfilled dreams and, you know, all of that. But there's also the theme of addiction. So where, how did you end up writing about that? Where did that come from? What was it like to write about? Well, um, I've known and loved a lot of addicts of different stripes. And, you know, I I think that we are a rather addicted culture o- overall, you know, with some some addictions being more accepted than others. But I think there's a lot of people with, you know, whether it's gambling or, or alcoholism or, or taking drugs, there's a lot of people seeking relief. And I also wanted to dovetail or draw the line between the idea when you were saying, you know, deferred dreams or whatever with Charlotte and not being able to pursue her art, how when somebody's pursuing an art form, you know, whether it's writing or dance or painting, that's probably like the best drug in the world because you are, if you're really in it, I'm I'm sure you've experienced this. It's like, it is a transcendence. You are, you are time and space doesn't matter anymore. You are in a totally different reality. And I have seen, you know, unfortunately, a lot of cases sometimes when people are not able to play out not only an artistic dream, but perhaps any kind of dream, how that can become very twisted and lead to, you know, really problematic, hurtful behavior. And how also that same addiction, whether whatever the thing is, again, whether it's a drug or food or overdoing anything, you know, it's kind of like the knockoff transcendence. It's like the fake transcendence, Mm. like trying to achieve that same thing, but not through that other way. That's Mm. such a beautiful way. So that's something I wanted to explore. Also knowing and loving a lot of different artists and some close friends who I um, saw this happen to. So, Wow. So addiction is basically the way you're reframing it is really positive, right? It's an attempt to achieve something that only art can bring. So it's just like an attempt to get the close second hit of it, if you will. Exactly. I mean, obviously there's that, that's just one angle, but I think it's an angle that isn't explored a lot. And I sometimes think, you know, I've met people that were addicts that if they had ever been able to take their natural gifts and energy and put them in the direction of, you know, I'm just thinking of somebody I met once who I think would have been the most amazing comedian if they Mm -hmm. could have ever had, you know, one of the funniest people I ever met who, you know, if they could have channeled that all in that direction. And sometimes it's a matter of luck and support. You know, it's hard to, to be an artist and it's, you know, you need support. You need support from other artists and other writers. And so sometimes things have to align, but um, that was something else I wanted to to look at as well. And what did you learn about it after you'd 
dove deep by writing the novel? I don't know. Humans are very complex and very, you know, uh, I read a quote that I liked recently about, you know, people, they don't always behave the same. People behave situationally, Mm. not, you know, like this one way they will behave in all situations. And I think that's very true. And I like to try to think about that when I'm working and, you know, we are vast, we contain multitudes. and, And that's also something I try to think of when I'm writing characters, because there is no truly bad character or there is no truly good character. And I'm always seeking to try to get inside a character that really helps me to write and try to almost like on an acting level, like get inside to try to understand how they see the world and how they react. And if I can lock onto that, then I can, you know, use my imagination to to fill in the rest. Or if I can understand one emotional thing, maybe I only understand it on the like a smaller, you know, level, but I can go deeper into it or really increase it for the sake of the drama in the story. It's so interesting. It's also so interesting to think that these people aren't real that you're talking about. Do you know what I mean? Like that you get to create, I know this is such a silly point, but that novelists get to just create these characters. I mean, you're right, actors as well, but you get to rewrite it and and figure it out. And of course you're so right. I mean, take anybody going back to their parental home pretty much and you'll see like a massive regression, like who they were versus like who they are in the workplace. Like they could be completely different people, right? Oh, yeah. I have a close friend who did share a lot of her growing up stories, which were along the lines of Charlotte and Viva. And that were that is quite different from, you know, my own growing up. And my mother was quite different than Charlotte and quite traditional, quite conscientious, hardworking. You know, I don't even know what she'd exactly make of Charlotte. But I think I think there's a little bit of her in there with kind of the salty humor and kind of these offhand remarks. I, I think she got in there that way a little bit, which is something I always, uh, my mother's past now, but I loved about her. She could really toss off some zingers, <laughs> you know? Oh, are you close with your siblings? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was growing up, some of my siblings weren't in the house because they were at college. Right. But yes, they're all over the country and there's some still back on the East Coast. Nobody on the West Coast, a few down South. And have they read your book? They've ordered it. So (laughs) I I know they they all pre-ordered it. They uh, certainly read Yes, Yes, Cherries. My brothers and sisters are all very good storytellers. I mean, I think within some families, um, that's kind of a currency, you know, and when I was young, I remember, you know, sitting there listening to all the older kids tell stories and try to make each other laugh and try to make my parents laugh. And I mean, and people would laugh, you know, and so you're always taking it in when you're the younger one, you know, even if I wasn't saying anything, you know, they, they're very good storytellers. Huh. Have high hopes for my littlest guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like you get it by osmosis. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I've told him, I'm like, okay, you're going to be an author. Just so you know. (laughs) I think that's probably likely. (laughs) Are you working on anything else right now? I am. I have a lot of notes on on another another novel. I'm finishing up a short story. 
And poetry has become a new form for me that I'm excited about. I just had a couple poems come out and I didn't expect that exactly, but it's wonderful to work in such a short condensed form, you know, so it's like I'm working on a novel and I'm working on poems and there's, you know, such different forms, but each one can support whatever it is you want to do in, in such a beautiful way. Wow. Yeah. It's very exciting. What advice would you have for aspiring authors? Oh, um, trust your instincts, find a good teacher and trust your subconscious because I think your subconscious will lead you in directions that you could never have expected and will help you pull a theme through a book in a way you never could have seen coming. Your subconscious always, you know, if you're tapped into it and tuned into it, it might be surprising where it takes you sometimes, but that's for me, one of the the strongest pieces of advice I would give to a student. That's great advice. And I have not heard that piece of advice before. Oh, really? Yep. So there you go. (laughs) Well, Mary, thank you for coming on. Thank you for your beautiful book. I am so honored to play a small role in getting this novel out into the world. It would have come out through some other publisher, I know, but I'm just so proud to be affiliated with your beautiful, beautiful writing and storytelling and the way your words make people feel and just, you're just so good at it. You're, you're just such a great writer anyway. And the story is so wonderful. So thank you for coming along with Zimmy Books on this ride and just know how deeply honored we are. Thank you so much. That means, means a great deal to me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, I'm very excited for our lunch together. This will be fun. Good. <laughs> be in New York soon. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank you, Zibby. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue checkmark next to that thing you love. 
and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.